It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. The macro fails. Uh, the very first macro of the show fails. So, yay. Oh, good. We'll get it out of our system. Oh, I sure hope so. I, now I have to go into that and go, okay, why is why is that picture not coming up when we make that transition and la, 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 la. So, uh Oh, well, welcome to the show, everybody. It's it's good to have you here. I'll try not to stare at my, uh, at my console, and uh, I'll bring in my friend, the bat. Ah. Um, and I've got my bison. And I'll we'll have find my, out why we have bats uh, and bison. Uh, my my bat critters. is attacking your bison. Ah. Uh, so. <laughs> All right. Yay. Yeah. Let's fun with visual aids. It's not a, it's not a real bat, folks. It's a fake bat. It's a, and you put it on your finger and, and you play with it. And so. Halloween is coming. And Halloween is coming. And, you know, I, I can't, I don't even, I can't even think about what Halloween Good morning. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Have some COVID with, oh, never mind. Uh, welcome oh, to the show, dear. folks. We're talking uh, about uh, some great stuff today. We've got a little uh, natural science. We've got something about our outdoor areas. And we have a special appearance by the world-famous Green Divas, uh, including Green Divas. What? Diva. Yes, the Green, the Green Divas. The Green Divas are here today uh, wow. because we're going to make... Uh, I don't know. We're going to make a kind of announcement about doing something with them uh, in the future. Um, and uh, and we'll talk to Green Diva Meg and maybe Green Diva Lisa from the GD Ponderosa Studios out in the northern wilds of New Jersey. New Jersey. It's called the Garden State. Oh, well. Anyway, that's from... Um, <laughs> That's 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 from my misspent youth. Uh, uh, it was where, a, where, where's that bat again? It says, "Hey, and there's the bat. There's the bat." Uh, those of you who are not watching this uh, live stream, if they're listening, uh, just listening, you're missing uh, oh, all, all the visual aids we have. Uh, but the Green Divas come uh, around 10 a.m. Uh, just before meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who. Tells us, and he sent me maps this morning. He sent you maps too. 
that uh, I, I read the headline and didn't read any further. Uh, which is the cold weather is swooping in, which means that uh, I'll have to rescue the remaining plants in my yard and 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 get those puppies indoor uh, because uh, it, it doesn't look good. Although it's uh, going to warm up a little bit later in the week, so mm-hmm. um, I think Thursday you know, was. I mean, to this be is this is what happens at this time of year: is that it, you got cold and then you got warm and then you got cold and you got warm and. You just you deal with it, and, and you get your plants indoors <laughs> at some place. And you know, I don't have to worry much about tomatoes anymore. Um, and I, I imagine you don't. You took most of them in the other day, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I did. I I picked almost all of them. There's a couple of squash still out there, but everything else is pretty much in. Um, and right after this segment, uh, we're going to be going t- uh, to our good friend uh, Cassandra West. Uh, we'll be talking about the Forest Preserve Foundation and what they're doing mm-hmm. for social justice in our forest preserves, um, which is, uh, I didn't realize there was that initiative. And so I'm very happy to talk to her today. So lots on the show this morning. So what we need to do is bring in our first guest, um, uh, who is right there in the corner of the screen. You can see Grace Wu. Who is a? Uh, is it an herpetologist or a herpetologist? How how do you pronounce those things, Grace? Uh oh, your mic's not on for some reason. I've got your audio. There we on. go. There we go. There you okay. are. See so, you now. And every time you do that, I lose two years of my life. Is when when, <laughs> when the audio doesn't go because I always assume it's that's me. where his gray hair comes from. That's right. There ain't nothing left here. There's no, no dark hair. No, that's okay. Grace, <laughs> it's 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 wonderful to have you. And you work at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie, right? Right. Um, and uh, so to answer my question, is it an herpetologist or a herpetologist? I've mostly heard a herpetologist. Yay! That's the correct answer. <laughs> you know, it's like the people who say, uh, an historian or an historian? No, it's a historian. H actually has a sound, but then you know we're not going to go into grammar here because we'll just go down a, a rabbit hole, uh, and that will just uh, that will end the program right there. Um, so Grace uh, is a graduate student at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, studying natural resources uh, and environmental science. Uh, a biological science technician at Bedewin National Tallgrass Prairie. You've been working since graduating from Temple University in 2011. Mm-hmm. And here's where the interesting part comes in. You study herpetology, which is the study of amphibians and snakes. Now, I have a question about that right there. I would think that you would separate amphibians from snakes, snakes being reptiles amphibians being amphibians uh so but actually herpetology studies reptiles and amphibians why why don't they separate those two i mean they are different uh kinds of animals do you have any idea it is actually unfortunate a lot of other animals get their own ologies yeah (laughs) their Uh, own ologies i like that okay it's so true um unfortunately with snakes in general, they are not exactly well liked, and actually, that has led to their um, lack of research and study. And I think they've lumped them together. This is what I've heard 
is because you can survey them in similar ways. So I, in my research, I've used artificial cover boards and actually that will um, help you survey amphibians and reptiles. So there are a lot of overlap, but it, it is really too bad. And I know a lot of herpetologists that wish people would distinguish between an amphibian and a reptile because um, you can survey them similarly, but their uh, life histories are very, very different. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Kind of I, I, I think it's time to, uh, to, to s- split up the, that, that study somehow. I think it's, I agree. it's it would be fair to both uh, kinds of animals. Um, but you chose snakes. Now that's very interesting because as we know, um, a lot of people are creeped out by snakes. Um, when, when we're done here, there's a piece of music I'm playing into the next segment that I found on the inner tubes that I didn't want to embarrass you with by playing it here. Okay. Okay. But so when, when you sign off, you got to just continue to sort of listen to, to the show right after the commercial break, uh, because there's a funny little song that I play and I thought, well, that'd be rude to play it while we're actually talking to a scientist. (laughs) So I save it and play it behind her back after she leaves. But snakes are cool. I think so. Oh, they're so important. Okay. Why are they important? Uh, Grace. Um, I guess I'll dive in to this region in general. We're missing a lot of our top predators and, um, snakes will fit that role. Now we kind of have coyotes and we have these other like mid-level predators like raccoons and, um, even some like possums and things like that. And, so snakes are known as this like mid-level or meso-predator. They can be eaten and preyed on upon themselves, and then they are important to um, predate other animals like small mammals and amphibians and eggs and birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so they fill this role that used to be um, taken up by wolves, uh, bears, um, and things like that. Wait, so, wait, so, so you're saying you're saying that those animals got displaced, and uh, mm-hmm. snakes have had to pick up the slack. <laughs> that that doesn't a seem a little bit, yeah, yeah. It, of, of, it, this, it, of this, of this, like you're talking small mammals like mice and voles, and yeah, they're they're not going to take down a deer, but um, it's important to still have those those mm-hmm. predators in our our ecosystems. I guess that's what I mean. So. So what types of snakes are you finding in the Midwest? Um, so I mostly look at northern Illinois, so the Medewin mm-hmm. National Tallgrass Prairie, which is by Joliet. Which is near Joliet. And, right. So you that, that would be considered upper Midwest, right? Yeah, the Chicagoland region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've um, got a, a list of snakes that you say you've encountered um, over the, uh, you were doing two years of data collection and you encountered seven snake species. Um, and you list them as common garter snake, plains garter snake, fox snake, smooth green snake. And I'm going to pop a photo of that up there in a second. Brown snake, blue racer, 
and northern water snake. Um, is that a good representative sa- sample, or are you still hoping to find a few more that you've not spotted yet? Um, my research was focused on um, grassland species. So in terms of grassland species, that's fairly representative. I'm missing the eastern hobnose snake um, and the bull snake, but those are kind of like savanna, more, more like sandy soil. So I was looking mm-hmm. at more of the grassland, like tall grass prairie ecosystem, which the hobnose and the bull snake might not be represented in that particular ecosystem. So seven is pretty good. Um, at Madewa National Tall Grass Prairie, they did a survey before it was even the prairie um, and run by the Forest Service, they found 13 species. Mm-hmm. And um, some of those like it a little bit closer to like riparian areas, like streams, um, again, some like forested areas. So the seven is representative of kind of that tall grass prairie uh, area that I was looking for. So yeah, pretty good. Um, so what, well, why don't I bring one up, uh, here? I think, whoops, let's, let's do it this way. Um, um, hold on, Mike. There we go. There's our smooth green snake. And I think I can even bring it up full screen. Look at that. Ooh. Um, it's such a pretty color. That's pretty cool. Isn't it? Um, how common is uh, the smooth green snake? I, I know it's endangered because several years ago, and Peggy, you remember this, when I voiced mm-hmm. some things for Chicago Wilderness about various animals that they were raising money to protect, um, th- I got to do the voiceover for some of the videos, and one of the videos I did was for the smooth green snake. So tell us a little bit about this snake, Grace. Uh, the smooth green snake is fairly small, they're really um, smooth. So I guess when and we green. talk about smooth, it means and very, 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 very green. You can <laughs> very see those green. blades of grass in the background. For, for someone listening um, to the podcast, blend. yeah, it yeah. blends into the grass. Yeah, Sorry, Grace. <laughs> yeah, it blends right in. It's perfectly colored for, I mean, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that beautiful coloration. Is, uh, is, is that, I guess, any yeah, I'm sorry, is oh, it? Is it a camouflage thing? And with most snakes, do they? Is their coloration usually about camouflage? Yes, actually, it is. Yep. Just like I was saying, that they can be preyed on um, by lots of hawks and uh, other animals. They actually do rely on camouflage a lot. So, yeah, definitely. Um, So, what is the. Uh, goal of the thesis you're you're putting together here about snakes in the grasslands? So my focus, I've always been interested in um, tall grass prairie restoration and its effects on wildlife. Um, so what I was looking at is, in essence, um, does restoration of tall grass prairies uh, positively affect snake communities. So the thought would be on a temporal scale as restorations age, um, therefore the diversity and abundance Oops. they increase. So hopefully, you know, as um, tall grass prairies restoration reaches sort of that like 
beautiful remnant-esque sort of like high um, like floristic quality, the, the snake species would actually also increase. That's the idea. That's the idea. It's do we, I'm going to pop another one up here in the corner. And in fact, let's, uh, let's bring that one up as well here. Now, what have we got here? This is a tiny snake. Is that your hand (laughs) we're we're seeing there? Yeah. What is that? It's a common garter snake. So that's actually probably the most common uh, snake that you'll see maybe in your backyard. And why yeah, would be you know, a garden snake? As yeah, we, a, a garter snake, but something we'd find in our gardens. Right, and and um, yes. it's the thing that uh, every kid grows up knows about a garter snake. Okay, and um, I actually think I saw one. I've 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 been in my uh, house here. I've lived here for twenty years, and I've seen a snake in my yard exactly once. And I'm pretty sure it was a, a garter snake. Now, I'm smack in the middle of the city of Chicago, but I'm assuming that they're all around us and like coyotes, and we just don't know it. Yes. Yeah, I, I um, they do have some. There's a couple snakes I studied that can move far. So they can move miles away. Usually they'll be searching for food. But mm-hmm. as... Uh, snakes get smaller, like smooth green snakes. They actually don't have a very large home range. It's almost like, you know, 40 meters, they're estimating. Wow. So um, the, the garter snake is a, like a middle-sized snake. So, yeah, they can... That's a middle-sized snake? It fits in your hand. I always... See, I assume <laughs> snakes are larger than this, but you're telling me... So are you saying that most snakes are smaller than uh, we think? Um, this guy is, uh, usually snake babies come out in the fall. So this is a fall picture. Ah. And this is mm-hmm. just a little baby common garter. Okay. He will get probably, what is it? Three to four feet long. And maybe like, you know, that, yeah. that big. That's mm-hmm. a pretty um, big garter so snake get, then. Yes. They'll get bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So middle, so the blue racer gets up to six feet. And, there we go. Um, now that that's a snake. Okay. <laughs> by by the way, we so do that's have a large snake. Yeah, we do have a question from somebody in Facebook asking if we have any poisonous snakes in Illinois. Oh, good question. Right. Right. Yes, we uh, we do. There are four venomous snakes that you um, can find in Illinois, but it's mostly southern Illinois. They're super secretive. Snakes are pretty hard to study just because their behavior means that they kind of like um, it under rocks and under uh, vegetation. So if you stay in paths um, and you're fairly aware when you're walking around that you should be safe from uh, these venomous snakes, but, but you want me to see, list so, of the, of the uh, poisonous snakes? Well, yeah, I, you know, as I tell people, this is why I live in Chicago and not Atlanta. Okay. One of the reasons or Houston, because there are very few, if any poisonous snakes up this way. I mean, do those poisonous snakes get as far North as Medewin? 
Yay! <laughs> okay. So there used to be <laughs> there used to be a, a small, uh, very 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 secretive uh, snake that's now um, federally threatened. It's called the Masisaga rattlesnake. Right. Um, okay. And but it's very small, and it's actually gone from the area. Uh, but the four you would see um, down south is the copperhead, the cottonmouth. Um, Eastern Massasauga is in there, but again, you probably won't find that in Southern Illinois either. And um, which one am I missing? The timber rattlesnake. All right. Well, uh, see, I feel better. And the same thing with, I mean, it's, it seems as you go and and I'm guess I'm not a scientist here, folks. I just play one on the inner tubes. Um, are, are poisonous animals, uh, uh, more likely to be in warmer areas than colder areas? Is that true in general? Do you have any idea? I hate to put you on the spot here. Yeah, um, sort of. Um, you do find that. I'm not, I'm not really an expert. But yeah, that you tend to find that as like a common thread, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just because the diversity as you get further yeah. into a warmer climate is... A little bit higher, I believe. Now, if if, if I can go back to Medewin, um we've we've actually had done the show a couple times from Medewin. We've broadcast live, and and that was why actually I I had my bison on at the beginning because <laughs> there's right. a lot of bison at Medewin. But the point being, Medewin's very large. How do you do your research on snakes? How do you find them? How do you count them? How how do you tell how far they move? Yeah, I was going to ask that question, too, because I'm thinking, do you have to be on your belly, crawl on your belly like a reptile all day long to find <laughs> snakes? So it's actually really cool. You can use their behavior to um, capture them. So I just yeah, I'm sorry, out, the, uh, the what? Oh, you can use their behavior. Oh, okay, so they like behavior. to hide underneath mm-hmm. um, vegetation and like rocks and, and, and nice uh, dark little spots. So I put out uh, cover boards, which are just wood and tin. You can use a lot of different materials. So I used uh, wood and tin, and I placed these boards out in the prairie in a transect. So um, 20 boards lined up together nicely. Um, And I just checked them. I would go out every day and check um, my, I think I had 540 cover boards, um, and I would Look at the cover boards and catch all the snakes, um, weigh them, ID them, check what um, if they were male or female, and then what um, stage they were in, like juvenile, baby, uh, or adult. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah, a little uh, too uh, scientific for me. I just assumed you went out there and started picking up rocks and looking what's un- underneath a rock, you know? <laughs> you can, you That's can why do she's doing the work and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Grace? Um, it was you- fairly simple. Yeah, put oh, you boards can do out. visual encounters too. Um, but I imagine, do you ever stumble across them and not in your setup with your boards? You must uh, occasionally, and that's got to be more fun because now you're catching them in a natural habitat rather than something <laughs> that has been staged there. It actually is funny because it's way harder to catch them if they're, let's say, basking on the road because they're quick. <laughs> <laughs> got to jump on them. 
you you have a um uh, a snake behind you. I'm gonna uh you have a what you how did you describe uh, the snake you've got here? Let's bring uh, the full picture in. Oh, look see. at this. Oh boy, you can't. Yeah, you can barely see him. Where is he? So that is. He's right. Wait there. Right there. Okay. <laughs> he's hiding. And and what kind of he's snake hiding. is that? Um, it is a um, corn snake. So he's actually native to Illinois and a United States species. So, but, but I assume not grassland. Not grassland. He likes woods. Okay. Ah, there, there, there you go. Okay, I'm going to try to bring this back. Mm-hmm. See, and I knew that was going to happen, and I bring it back, and of course my we pictures. Lost you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I'm here. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. Um, so bef- what? Okay, go ahead. I I was just. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Well, we only have a couple minutes, and I wanted to get to uh, a program that uh, Grace is doing. Were you going to mention that, Peggy? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Grace, uh, you've got something going on October 22nd, of a virtual interpretive program. Uh, tell us about that. Um, pretty much talking about my thesis. So it's uh, Tall Grass Prairie Restoration Effects on Snake Communities Within Northern Illinois. So just talking about the snakes in um, the area up here, differences between them, what I've been doing, um, similar to this, but more in depth and um, hopefully just a little bit more fun. Um, This was very fun though, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, just talking more about my, my research and then what I found, um, so far, uh, yeah, a little bit more about like the snakes in the region and uh, hopefully shedding light and hopefully helping people kind of move past maybe some of their fears about snakes. I would think so. How, okay, in just like a minute, how do you get people to stop being so creeped out by snakes? I think snakes are cool. Um, I think spiders are cool, but I, I will admit that in terms of spiders, sometimes, you know, I've, I've had to work at it. It's, it's okay. This is just a spider. Um, and, um, uh, and I don't see many snakes, so I can't tell you how I basically react when I saw the garter snake in my yard. I went, Oh, cool. I got to grab my camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was gone. Um, but, uh, how, how do you get that across to people? Because snakes are real. They are really, really amazing. I was looking at some videos, uh, and I think on the Herpetological Society website and, and the way they can move their bodies and raise up and just do all, uh, all kinds of things. That's, that's pretty cool stuff, Grace. I think just with the knowledge, so shedding, helping people understand and gently, you can't be jumping around and putting, you know, making people touch and hold snakes right away if they're not, if they're not interested. So gently uh, informing people and then hopefully um, getting to uh, the, for them to understand um, like nice, pretty cute snakes, like that they can be kind of sweet and and, uh, (laughs) and they're very, very uh, significant importance in our ecosystems. 
the knowledge think, is yeah. gentle. That's an important point that you made, that they're in the middle there where they are mm-hmm. a predator and they can be preyed upon as well. So that's a, an important niche uh, for snakes. Uh, Grace, uh, Peggy, did you have anything else before we go here? Um, uh, well, well, I was going to say, I mean, uh, did you want to mention bison activities coming up at Medewin National Tallgrass Prairie? I don't know if you have any. That, I'm kind of blindsiding you here. Um, me? There's, I'm trying not to wind up getting off the program, which I did one time before here. But coming up is National Bison Day, actually in, uh, I believe that's in November. Yeah. And, at Medewin. Yeah. But there's a lot of other programs coming up at Medewin, and they're all on the website. At MikeNovak.net. Yeah, I'd off li- of MikeNovak.net, li- yep. yeah. I'd link to the Medewin site. You can even go to Bison Live Cam, uh, which I'm looking at right now. There's no which bison. Which is really cool. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> there were a bunch of them yesterday when I was on the live cam. So uh, Grace Wu, herpetologist, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I think you might have to come back and talk uh, uh, about some more snakes uh, when you get a chance. And, you know, we're not talking political at all here. We're just talking about real snakes. Um, so uh, thank you, and good luck with your presentation. Good luck with your thesis. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for bringing us into the uh, the secret laboratory there uh, with the <laughs> – <with, laughs> With your favorite snake in in the glass. All right. All right. We will be back in just a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Please stick around. Collective Resource Compost wants to show you how they make composting easy in Chicagoland. You can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by diverting food scraps from landfills. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Composting is what nature would do if we just got out of her way. Learn how easy it is to divert waste at your home, school, or workplace. Go to collectiveresource.us. Whether you have a garden, a farm, or grow houseplants, you need microbial buddies to reconnect you to nature. The folks at Blazing Star sell probiotics from industry leader Tinyo Biologicals, which means they sell good soil biology, which means they maximize soil biodiversity. That results in healthy soil and healthy plants. Tinyo beneficial microbial soil components will add a major boost to depleted soils. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. The world has changed. A year ago, you were growing food because it was fun. Now it's important. That's why you need Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Thanks to the best science, the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They're versatile, they're elegant, they have a five-year warranty, and they're made in America. Peggy and I are huge fans. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase. Go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. I'm not afraid. 
afraid of goats. I'm not afraid of sharks. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm just afraid of snakes. They really creep me out. Where are their arms and legs? It's not okay. I'm not afraid of ghosts. I'm not afraid of sharks. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm just afraid of snakes. They really creep me out. Where are their arms and legs? It's not okay. <laughs> Oh, dear. I'm uh, just afraid of snakes, <laughs> not afraid of ghosts, not afraid of sharks. I, I can't tell you where I found that. Of course, I found it on the, the inner tubes. And, inner uh, tubes, yes. Yeah. That's, By that's, the way, um, yes. to answer the question, National Bison Day is November 7th, and Medeawin's got a whole day of programming okay. that day as well. Fantastic. And there's the lady putting up her, her papers and boom, throwing them down on the desk there. <laughs> You're... <laughs> It's it's a that's our buddy Cassandra West, uh, who I I've decided is the hardest working woman in sustainable PR. That's that's your new title, okay? You are the and hardest. Speaking of PR, oh wait, yeah, let's do this first. Um, you want to do yours? You've got it printed, so no, I'll tell you what. Let me do mine. Uh, so Cassandra, you just hang on for a second here, because uh, you know what it's like to have to. Uh, to pay the bills here, and uh, we're going to do that right now on the Mike Novak Show because, uh, uh, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if you want to walk like an agrarian, you need to think like one. The Center for Agrarian Learning at McHenry County College, which is a really cool operation that they just started, is hosting a free online speaker series featuring innovative thinkers and doers. It's called Forefront Ideas in Food in Farming. Uh, the next one is on November 15th, and it's Whole Grain Supply Chain. And you can hear a baker, a farmer, and I want to say a candlestick maker, but uh, it's actually, and a dietitian, uh, speak about using artisan grains in their businesses. Uh, then on December 13th, so basically a month in the middle of the month, we had one mm -hmm. in, uh, in September, October, no, uh, rather October, October November. Last, right, last Sunday. Last yeah. Sunday, October, November, December. On December 13th, the topic is regenerative agriculture, details of a profitable journey, when you'll learn about six principles of regenerative farming. Now, as I mentioned before, the sessions are free online via Zoom, but you need to register. Uh, by the way, they will not be recorded, which is kind of interesting, and, and I meant to ask um, uh, Sherry Doyle. Sherry. Yeah, yeah, about that, but uh, I will at some point. So you have only one chance for these excellent workshops. Go to mchenry.edu slash forefront to register and check out upcoming events in January and February of 2021. They're going to have a bunch more at the beginning of the year. That's mchenry.edu slash forefront. And now we return to the hardest working woman in sustainable PR, and that is Cassandra West, who is usually pretty shy, uh, and which is why I, I so appreciate her being, you're usually the, the behind the scenes person. You should know that Cassandra is uh, communications manager for the Forest Preserve Foundation. She's also communications director at Seven Generations Ahead, who we featured on the show in the past. An independent writer and editor. I know she's a photographer. I'm always running into you at events when we used to have events. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to that at some point, I hope, uh, with your camera. So, like I said, the hardest working woman in sustainability. So welcome to the show, Cassandra. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I, and, of course, she's in her uh, 
her uh, you, you don't have the same view when we did this yesterday that uh, you you changed the no, view No I I'm sitting in front of a window. I thought the light would be more even. Here. It is. It's very, see, yeah. thinking like a photographer, as always. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but today we want you to think uh, like the communications manager for the Forest Preserve Foundation. It's interesting at um, uh, the uh, Wild Things Conference uh, 2019, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was part of a panel that talked about the good work of the Forest Preserve Foundation. Why don't you explain what they do before we get into the uh, conference that you're going to be have later this week, for which you are the moderator? Right. Well, the Forest Preserve Foundation was founded in 2006, and um, it's a philanthropic partner for the Forest Preserves of Cook County. So essentially it's a public philanthropy that raises money from private uh, entities to support programs in the forest reserves. One of the biggest programs is the uh, that it supports is uh, what we're calling youth uh, next gen environmental advocates. So there are summer internships that young people can participate in the forest reserves. One is the um, Chicago Forest Conservation Leadership Program which is associated with the Student Conservation Corps. So essentially young people, teenagers can work in uh, conservation jobs Mm -hmm. uh, in the forest preserves all over Cook County. You know, the forest preserves uh, represent or encompass 70,000 acres all over Cook County. So these young people, most of them from uh, low-income communities, get to work, earn money, and learn a skill uh, they remove invasive species, put in trails and things like that to help keep the forest preserves healthy and welcoming for everyone. Uh, and uh, this week, the uh, Forest Preserve Foundation is doing a, tw- a symposium, uh, and it's mm-hmm. called Racial Equity and Access to Nature. Uh, it's going to be this Thursday. 9 to 10.30 a.m. via Zoom. Um, is is that a free event? Absolutely free. Yep. Yeah. And you could go to the website, forestreservefoundation.org. Right up at the top, there's a link. It takes you right to the event. Right. Sign up. If I have to say, uh, when we this program was first proposed, you know, I had no idea what, the interest would be, but apparently it's pretty high. Mm-hmm. We have uh, close to 350 people already registered. Oh, that's great. And we've only been promoting it for maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to get people into these events. So what do you think is resonating about what you're doing? Well, I think it's the moment that we're in. Uh, in the last few months, there's been a lot of talk about racial equity And, of course, I think that there's a lot of interest combined with the fact that people are also interested in being outside because of the pandemic and people are pursuing more outdoor activities. I've I've seen that myself and just my personal outdoor experiences. A few months ago, I went walking in Waterfall Glen and it was pretty crowded for a Saturday morning. A lot of people were out walking 
Uh, then, of course, in my neighborhood and other places I've, I've been more recently, you still see people being outdoors. So it's the combination of um, the interest in racial issues, systemic racism. And so um, I just think those came together to, to, to make this topic one that people are interested in. And I think we're finding people from a wide variety of spaces and organizations who are uh, signing up and interested. And of course, you know, the event is free. Um, and uh, I just find that people now are interested in learning. So this is a learning opportunity for, for, for the people who will be attending, for us, those of us who are putting it on. And uh, I, those are the, I think, key factors. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's look at the uh, the folks who you've got involved yeah, in this. Got you've two got two different here. panels going here. Yeah, right. And I'm going to let you introduce those folks because there are a couple of names that I would not even come close to being able to pronounce. Um, well, to be honest, uh, there's one name I'm sure I can't pronounce that well. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll have two panels. One is the Advocates Panel, and it'll feature Heather Miller, who's the Executive Director of the American Indian Center. The American Indian Center has done um, quite a bit of work with the Forest Reserves of Cook County. So I think she'll be an interesting uh, person. As a matter of fact, I saw her on a panel that the Field Museum did the other day, talking about the, the land acknowledgement, uh, uh, the land acknowledgements that a lot of organizations uh, are interested in um, using in their programs. And then we'll have uh, Jose Guadalupe. I'm not sure if that I've got his full name here, but he's the uh, founder of Latino Outdoors. And I think he'll bring a perspective um, because each of us comes from a history of outdoors, whether we acknowledge it, you know, whether you're uh, African-American, Latino, uh, Caucasian, all of us have in our backgrounds various connections to the land and the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're now seeing people wanting to examine that a little bit more. And then we'll have, and I, I apologize uh, for the mispronunciation of her name, Nataki Osborne Jelks. She's a professor of environmental health and sciences at Spelman. So this is why we're saying we have people from across the country. So I think she'll bring a, a unique perspective and she'll be able to talk about some of the programs that she's co-founded in the Atlanta area to bring more uh, young people of color into outdoor spaces. And then our panel for the forest preserves uh, includes Arnold Randall, who you've had on the show before. Yes, He's the um, general superintendent of forest preserves of, of Cook County, who, uh, as an African-American man himself, I think will bring a perspective about running a large organization like the um, Forest Reserves of Cook County. And well, he'll also talk about some of the programs and ways in which the preserves are working to make the uh, preserves more welcoming and to involve more, more young people. I think he will probably for sure address how since he's been the um, superintendent, they have, the preserves have um, increased their outdoor camping programs. And so a lot of people don't even know that there are campsites in the preserves and you can go and camp. And I actually did that myself once and it was a fun, a fun weekend. Which, uh, which uh, preserve did you go to? 
oh gee, it was in the south suburbs, and I can't think of it at Camp some Camp Shabona, down in the Palos area. Okay, which is okay. one of the the largest. Um, it was a program that actually Open Lands did. So we did some tree planting. I you know I became a tree keeper a few years ago. So part of that we spent the morning planting right, she trees. She needs the ding we, for that. Yeah. Uh, there you go. What's your What's your tree keeper number? <laughs> Fourteen thirteen. All right. Fourteen thirteen. <laughs> reporting for duty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then after we planted trees, we went canoeing or kayaking down the uh, little Calumet River with a bunch of people I had never met before. So, you know, I'm there. And again, I think this gets to what we'll be talking about in the program, the, the lack of seeing people like myself out in program. So on that day, I, I think I was maybe one of three or four uh, African-American people who participated in this program. So after the canoeing, we went, we spent uh, the evening and until the next morning camping in Camp Shabona. But I need to get back to the other people who are on, on the, the panel, panel here. Yeah. So, yes. So as I said, there's Arnold Randall and, uh, I, uh, let me just make is sure it, I have it, everybody's. Is it Raquel Garcia Alvarez? Yes, yes. But Raquel, I've met her. Uh, I met her earlier this year when she was overseeing a group of uh, bikers who were uh, putting a trail in um, one of the forest preserves as part of a program that the foundation had supported through grant funding from REI. But yes, Raquel is the stewardship program coordinator for the forest preserves of cook county and, and Emily, she's also oh, go ahead go ahead sorry uh she's also a co-leader with the environmental environmentalist of color network and then there's emily harris um, she is the principal with harris strategies and a consultant to the president's council for disability inclusion but she's also uh, has served as the executive director of the Burnham Plan Centennial, and she serves on the Cook County, on the Forest Preserves of Cook County Conservation and Policy Council. So I think we'll have a really good mix of people to talk uh, and about. You can find uh, all of that information on my website, uh, mikenovak.net. I've got the links there, so where where Thank you can you. register. And as you mentioned, people are. Before I let you go, though, I mean, I want to I, I want to talk about something you mentioned about being out in the forest preserves, and, and so you alluded to uh, Randall Arnold and um, and I'm sorry, Arnold Arnold Randall. Arnold, Arnold Randall. <laughs> I, I I swear I can't get that I right. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, Arnold Randall. Sorry, Arnold. Um, and um, and that is why aren't more people of color in the forest preserves? It's not as if they, it it costs money to go in there. They're open to the public. Right. What what did what did what are the barriers that you'll be discussing to uh, more access by people of color? Okay. Well, I think the forest preserves, as Arnold has said and others have said, and I saw this when I first came into this job, that a lot of people just don't know about the preserves. They are places that people pass by. So one of uh, the ways the forest preserves has worked in the last few years is to make to help people become more aware that they exist and what's in them. 
weirdly, a lot of people who live in cities are somewhat afraid of woodsy places. They think <laughs> there's snakes and bears and well, you just well, we just we just snake. talked well, about snakes. snakes and snakes are cool though. Yeah. Is that just the thing yeah. you got to get across? Is snakes are cool, right? But it's are. the unknown. Yeah, it's the unknown. Yeah, yeah, and I think for a lot of African American people who've had negative experiences in rural places, you know, that's what drove a lot of African Americans from the South and rural places to the city, because they thought they, you know, there would be more safety in these places. But there is a long history of, of, if you look at, again, as I said before, everybody's history, we've all passed through, if you go back several generations, a rural lifestyle, and we've dealt with, um, you know, my mother was from the South, and she knew how to and I kill a chicken and she was used to dealing with wild food, which kind of freaked me out when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But so there is that history. And I think people are now needing to realize that it's okay to reconnect to the past and nature is nothing to be afraid of. It's uh, it supports everything. Everything that we have in life comes from nature. And so we, I believe need to feel more comfortable in nature. And I would just, I, I'm sort of gonna, I was in, in the grocery store a few weeks ago and I saw this magazine outside. So mm-hmm. you'll probably see more people of color on magazine covers these days. But this magazine caught my eye and, and I ended up obviously buying it and reading it. And it talks, uh, it has stories about people of color, black people who have connected to nature and are fine having rich outdoors experience and experiences i highly recommend anyone to get a copy of this magazine there's one story in here particular on page uh whatever it's sort of near the back but it's by a writer named latricia graham who talks about the fears that some people feel about being in nature she spent some time in the smoky mountains on a um a writing fellowship or a retreat and mm-hmm. tells this harrowing sort of tale of, of how she was going through the mountains and just some of the fear she experienced. But then she realized that she had to um, overcome these fears. And because she loves nature and being outdoors, she finds that um, you know, it was just worthwhile for people to, step up, get outside and have these rich experiences that yeah. you really can't have for being indoors. So I, I would just recommend outside. It's that's, the, um, that's the uh, September issue, isn't it? September, October issue. Yes. The article is also online, the one, the longer article, but there's yeah. some sh- shorter features in there. People who tell their stories of, you know, whether it's hiking, biking, um, and I'm, I am beginning to see, you know, there's a group called Outdoor Afro. There are um, a lot of, there's just growing interest in outdoors. There are people who do birding, camping. It's a, it's a rich, rewarding lifestyle. And, you know, I, I love being outdoors. And so I'm excited, excited to talk with people, to be talking with people who spend time in nature and who can convey their enthusiasm and their love for it to the um, the audience that we're expecting on Thursday. That's great. Um, and I knew that was going to happen. Uh, so I found the, 
the, the bug in, in the system here. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's interesting you mentioned that because, it, you know, there's some people fear urban areas, some people fear natural areas, and maybe it would be a good idea if we all sort of figure out how to how to how to not fear either um and yeah. uh and i think this is sometimes a... it's taking that first trip out in the forest preserve seeing what it's all about and getting excited about it yeah uh, well this is a great time to be out there the the leaves are changing uh go out and take a walk take your bike out there you know people can fish you can hike there's a lot to do if you enjoy being outside See, Cassandra, this wasn't so bad after all, was it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't like to be the one. Yeah, but you're going to be I moderating. Even head, I even bought headphones, Mike. Oh, my right? goodness. I am amazed. Thank you so I much. I ran yes. out this morning to Walgreens and got headphones. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. So, so sorry. I made you buy headphones. So to be on the show here, I, I, I I just told her if she had earbuds that, that would work. But, but anyway, the, uh, the name of the seminar or the symposium this Thursday, 9am to 1030am, get up, have a cup of coffee, log in and just listen to what people have to say about our our forest preserves it's called racial equity and access to nature if uh, everybody is as eloquent as cassandra west it's going to be a really wonderful uh symposium and and as you mentioned very important very important for what's happening now and as you mentioned also lots of people are out there uh in the forest preserves now because they're they're crazed to get outside and do something and um uh unfortunately today it's going to be the the cold weather is swooping in but um later in the week we it'll be a good time to go out there and catch uh the last of the leaf change uh for october uh cassandra west always a pleasure to talk to you we really really appreciate it and um you. you know we will uh we'll be in touch you know you and I I'm see sure. each other all the time, so uh, <laughs> you have a great Sunday, okay? All right, thanks. thanks. All right. Good to well, see you, Peggy. Good to see you. See you, Mike. Bye-bye. Right. Thank, you. Thank you again. You're welcome. You're quite welcome. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, so great to have uh, Cassandra on the program, and I just love uh the work that she does, she's out there uh, with all these different groups. And so she's just switching hats uh, all the mm-hmm. time. Um, so uh, well, you've got, cause the uh, one earth film festival, the virtual mini fest is also happening this week. So that's, there's another one of her hats. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yep. She works with one earth film festival as mm-hmm. well. Well, we have a couple minutes before we, uh, uh, we move on to uh, green diva Meg. And uh, we want to make an announcement here, which is uh, about the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. As you know, this year we did the 60-second garden challenge, garden video challenge. Um, and we've been announcing the monthly winners uh, for July, mm-hmm. August, and September. But now we have the grand prize winners for the season. Uh, and they are going to win valuable Wally prizes. We're giving away some rain barrels. Um, we've got some gift certificates from Lamanda Joy at City Grange. We got to give her a ding. She's been very generous about uh, giving uh, gift certificates, and we also have some cash prizes from Sega. Um, and what we ended up doing is getting two different categories of winners. 
Um, mm-hmm. We have the overall individual winners, meaning your backyard, and then we have overall winners for organizations, whether it was a community garden or a school. Uh, and we decided to separate those because uh, why not? And we're going to be we're yeah. just being a little more generous uh, with our uh, awards. So, do you want to get that drum of yours and do a drum roll? Uh, well, no, I'll do the desk. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to take my headsets off. Go get the drum. <laughs> I like the drum the other uh, week. It okay, was I'll cool. take the headsets off. Okay, get the headsets off and do that. And she's going to get the drum. We like the uh, the audio aids, and uh, uh, Megan will appreciate this as well. <laughs> and some down and goes. There went, there went the show sign. Oh, okay, down I, I goes the show sign. Go on automatically. Down oh, goes no. Frasier. Oh. Okay. Oh, we still have Cassandra on. Um. No, I don't think so. I is. Uh, oh, she's. Somebody was on. Oh well, we'll uh, we'll close that because I I think she's gone. Oh, I know what it is. It's Green Diva Meg. I think her uh, uh, mic oh, is okay. up. Somebody's Let's, talking. Okay. No, Let... I, I'm not talking. It's oh. radio. It's your telephone. <laughs> they're see they're they're getting ready there. Uh, so thank you for letting me know about that, Peggy. Okay. Um, <laughs> drum let's have, roll, please. Drum roll. Overall winners. This is the individuals in their, their backyards. Number three, Jacqueline Edens, a sanctuary in Chicago. Number two, drum roll, Solace in the City 2020, Elise Marin, the number one overall individual winner for the SEGA 60-second garden video challenge for 2020 is Ella's Garden, Ella Orlovska. So those are our winners. Ella, you're going to get $150.00. Uh, Elise, you're going to get uh, 100 and Jacqueline, you're going to get $50. So let's go to the overall organization. Plus other fabulous prizes. Plus, plus the other, plus certificates. And some of you get rain barrels. I'm not going to explain how the rain barrels go because it's a little uh, Byzantine at the moment. But uh, basically, the people <laughs> who earn them, <laughs> don't worry, the people who earn them are, are going to get them. So From MWRD, who will deliver them. Okay. Now, uh, the second award, or rather the overall organizational winners. Here we go. Number three, Sutherland Elementary's Outdoor Classroom. Number two, the UIC Nutrition Teaching Garden. And number one organizational winner is the Kellogg School Garden Club Presents. So, can I put the drum away? Yes, you can put the drum away. And you should know, and I've just been reminded, and it's very important, there are videos on the website. So you can see uh, the Sega website. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org, and you can find... The uh, winners there, you can see all the wonderful, fabulous videos of these fantastic gardens. And so what we're going to try to do next week is have some of the winners on the show uh, so that uh, we can talk to them about their gardens and how they put their videos together. I think it it will be a lot of fun. So congratulations to all of our winners. Uh, As you just heard, Green Diva Meg and Green Diva Lisa 
are standing by, and we will get to that in exactly two minutes. It's The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hi, I'm Victor Nakashima with Bartlett Tree Experts. Here at Bartlett, safety has always been at the core of our business. We even have a guiding principle that we call safety above all else. For us, this principle means that the health and safety of our employees and all the people they come in contact with comes first, every day, at every job. As we continue to provide essential tree care services, those safety procedures now include social distancing and even more stringent sanitation practices. Before proposing work or visiting your property, we will call ahead so that you know that we are coming. Once we arrive, you can give us a quick wave from the window or meet us outside at a safe distance. If you're meeting with an arborist representative, he or she will give you a call upon arrival so you can have an on-site dialogue about your trees while you stay right inside your home. For all new work, a detailed proposal will be prepared and emailed promptly to you. With the help of our administrative staff, you can approve and schedule the work from your phone or computer. On the job, representatives and crews will be thoroughly cleaning equipment and disinfecting their hands. Teams will be meeting at the work sites instead of in the office. Crews will be fully briefed in advance and arrive with the exact specifications and goals of your tree care so that there's no need for you to personally interact with them. Building relationships is one of the most rewarding parts of our work, and that's not changing. While the way we communicate may be different, the way we care about our clients and their landscapes is still very much the same. We will continue to provide dedicated service while safely caring for your trees and shrubs. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a swipson of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn, serene. And welcome back to the show. And I knew that, so obviously it's uh, something that in my setup uh, is not quite right, that I was working on all week, and it doesn't matter if I worked on it all week. It still doesn't quite get there. But, hey, look who's in the corner uh, left side there. It is Green Diva Meg and Green Diva Lisa. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. And Look, happy to be here. So nice to see you. It's it's nice to see you. We both get the ding. There we, we go. We get the ding. <laughs> yeah. You get another ding. You get two dings. All right. And no, wait. And you get uh, the uh, the flying bat. Uh... <laughs> And the bison. <laughs> and it's it's kind of it's kind of right. like it's kind of what. Go ahead. It's no. actually appropriate that she gets the bat because she's been dealing with those over the last years. And I'm always out in South Dakota and, and Wyoming, Buffalo con- bison country. You're, so. you're, oh, South Dakota. You're from, are you from South Dakota? Yeah. I didn't know we were supposed to. 
Well, we're no, having, no, I'm from Joyzy. We're having some right. audio issues here with Meg and Meg, Meg's sister. Uh oh, it's ten o'clock. We're having audio. Issues. No, but I, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the streaming, and right now it's holding up pretty good. So I'm not sure what's uh, what's going on there, but oh, we'll that. just we'll just uh, it's close. It's like your your audio skipping. Um, just a little bit. Oh dear. Well, we'll just hmm. uh, we'll we'll play it as well as we can. So right. let's let's try that again because it, it seems to be a little bit better. So, um, um, where where is it that you're from, uh, Lisa? Uh oh, and now frozen. They're frozen. There we okay. go. Okay. Are we better now? Are we be- yes, you yes. are. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was on the wrong Wi-Fi, man. Oh, you were. Yeah, because yes. we have Wi-Fi down at the house and Wi-Fi up at the studio. And it's funny because when I'm in the house, it always goes to the studio. And when I'm up here, it goes down to the house. Like, what's up with that? Of course. <laughs> I don't know what's of up course, with that. Of course. That's like when I'm when I'm down at the beach and sometimes I'm connecting to Michigan rather than top of the bluff. Go figure. Same thing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I should uh, say that uh, those of you who are not familiar with the Green Divas, I think, uh, Meg, you should probably do a little bit of an intro on that. You've been around pretty. You've been doing this about the same length of time that I've been doing this on my own here. Um, uh, you're you're a tad more successful. Uh, I mean, look at that lovely studio you've got there behind you. Well, st- start with the Green Divas and then how that became the GD Ponderosa Studios. Okay. Um, That's well, all the time um, we have. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and how do we get? The- and how do we get cool T-shirts like yours, too? That's the other question. Yeah. Ah, okay. We'll have to share those. It's probably yeah. reading backwards, but it does say GD <laughs> No, it's, no it's not. It reads right. No, it reads, it reads correctly. I should have had my mask. We have masks, too. So to start with, we, we just want to say the Green Divas, at the Green Divas, we share low-stress ways of living a deeper shade of green. She practiced that. It's only been 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> We too used to be on radio. Uh, I used to actually publish a magazine, which morphed into radio, which morphed into digital radio and podcasting. I think in 2010, we started podcasting. And Mm -hmm. before it was called podcasting. Yeah, it was like internet radio, whatever. And um, so, yeah, we've got a catalog, a big catalog of stuff. And we just keep going, man. We just keep morphing into new media, new things like what you're doing here, which is amazing. And thank you for including us today. And I'm looking forward to doing some more fun work with you. In the meantime, I did have like an audio dream come true here. We happened to find a house for sale that had this magnificent studio. And I was like, really? Wow. So anyway, that's how uh, we we bought this studio, which was called Ponderosa Studio. And marrying the two, because it had a good reputation as Ponderosa, it became GD Ponderosa. And, you know, GD couldn't stand for Green Diva, Green Devo, Green Dudes, or, you know, whatever your imagination takes you to. (laughs) (laughs) Grateful Dead to some people. Good good day. Are are we not green? Are we not Devo? That's all I got to say. We, we are no, uh, we are Devo. Are we not green? We are Devo. So and that's D D I V O. I know that's not. Or, See, we used to at, at the station. We used or to Devo D E V O. Pre-record those those uh, promos for you, and we'd be back and forth yeah. with green Devo. Are we? Yeah. What? Huh? So, yeah. 
And that's uh, a reference to 80s music that some people might get. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people will get that. We need our flower flower pot hats. Uh, <laughs> I, my flower pot hat is in the other room. Uh, and oh, you have one? Oh, my God. I do have one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if Peggy wants to just pick up here, uh, I bet I could even, although I'm well, trying. Well, that's not the Devo flower pot hat. That's your real no, flower it, pot No, it's a hat. real flower pot hat. It's just flower <laughs> pot hat. It's just, a, you, yeah, you don't want to see it. Uh, uh, so next here, week. So here we are, and uh, you are now ensconced in, uh, and we were going to try to do a, a tour of the place, but um, uh, I'm not quite up to the technology yet of uh, having uh, yet another camera. Uh, although I did put your logo up there. I don't know if you can see that on the Thank screen. Thank you. I do. I do. Now, Sue, we have an extra little screen of us, but I think we're only seeing it. Is that true? Uh, like there's yes. a double little yes. screen. You can anyway, turn, yeah. go, if you, you can go turn down the, to the bottom in the middle, you can turn it off. There's that extra little, screen. You don't, you don't need the extra oh, screen there. there. How uh, do I turn it on? center. That one. Uh, Ta-da! Yeah. There you go. See, you're learning. And she's the te- okay, and we're she's done. The Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Welcome to the so Earn you wanna... As You Learn program. Oh, All right. Um, so, if you want to see the studio, a tour of the studio, you can go to our website, which is gdponderosastudios.com. And, GD, and I've got door. a link to that, and there's a link to that at mikenovak.net. And with um, two R's, ponder. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And then ponder the rose. And as you can see, they have real microphones, very professional microphones (laughs) there. Uh, They even have windscreens, which I do not have. And I just, I was going to put it on. And of course I forgot to put the windscreen on this week. So every time you hear me popping my peas like that. (laughs) Uh, but I can't even hear it because I uh, because of the uh, we need a mix minus here, and so I don't have I don't hear myself back in in, in the headset. Uh, but tell mm. us some of the famous people who have come through GD Ponderosa Studios. Oh my gosh! Um, well, you know this was a studio before it was Ponderosa. It was called Mixolydian. And some of the fame, that's where some of the more famous people that you would know, such as Peter Gabriel, uh, Mick Jagger. um, I can't, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank, but there's a lot of folks. We're just an hour and 15 minutes or so out of New York City. So, well, the website says an hour if you drive at 3 a.m. You know, yeah. So, uh, right now we have some wonderful, talented people. Rhonda Ross is one of our current. clients she's the daughter of diana ross and barry gordy and uh railroad earth i think who has been in here and and members of railroad earth that are also in from good homes mm-hmm. um yeah just a lot and the samples of course our yeah. engineer <laughs> is a rock star oh and- yes the studio came with an engineer and he is a rock star like we're a so lucky touring rock star <laughs> and what we're lucky in a sideways way with the pandemic, uh, Tom has not been touring, so we've had a lot more yeah. fun. Uh, I'm going to uh, advise people watching us on the Facebook stream um, that we're, we're getting a little buffering issue here, and this happens. We're learning. This is third week in a row. Uh, Sunday mornings, about 10.10, and we think it's all the uh, church programs that are that are going uh, on. And, church uh, yeah. 
And if you're watching on Facebook, you'll probably do better if you go to the website, MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, because Facebook can't handle it as well as the YouTube stream. On the website, we put the YouTube stream up there, um, and that holds up a lot better than uh, the Facebook stream. Uh, but you're still buffering what? On the YouTube. On the YouTube as well? Okay. We're doing Hi, our Kathleen. best. <laughs> uh, so that's what uh, uh, we will uh, uh, advise you to do. And usually what happens is it clears up in a few minutes. I'm not sure why that is. It's like everybody, I guess, logging in to their church service. Yeah, they, all, they all got through the door, and then they're sitting down, and we're back. And then, boom, yeah, and then it gets better. Yeah. So um, we uh, we wanted to announce something uh, you, you mentioned. We're, we're going to try to do a little collaboration here. Um, and at, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to be working with Green Diva, Meg, and Lisa, uh, and Peggy on uh, maybe some other short programs during the week. Um, and there we go. I just, the buffer stream just went and now it's cool again. So, uh, mark that on your calendar, 1013, everything got good. Um, <laughs> and, that's um, when we go get coffee. Yeah, that's right. Um, but we're thinking this week, uh, have you guys, did we decide on a time? I think we're going to do something on Wednesday, aren't we? Uh, yeah, Green we're Diva looking Meg? at like four o'clock, maybe four o'clock Eastern three yeah. o'clock your time. Yeah. So you can count on us doing a show. It's going to be a short one, like a half hour. Uh, and basically I'm there going to be, I'm going to be there for tech support. I'm going to be the techie. Uh, you'll, you, you might see me for a, f- a couple of minutes, uh, yeah. but it's yeah, real social media. Yeah. Ooh, but it, nice. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be your, uh, support staff. And um, what are you uh, going to talk about, Green Diva Meg and Green Diva Lisa? Do you have any idea yet? For Wednesday or for today? For Wednesday. No? Well, well, I have been <laughs> on the plastics thing again. We haven't, done a, we haven't done a story about plastic in a long time, and things have changed a bit. And so I've been doing some homework on that, and depending on what happens in the world between now and then, we might work, talk a little bit about that. I, yeah, no, I, yeah. you see, I you mean, stop right there. I mean, that's that's a, a near and dear to my heart. I've talked plastics, and Peggy and I have talked plastics on this show many times. As you know, at one point I was president of the <clears throat> Chicago Recycling Coalition, and uh, uh, Lisa, you and I both know that uh, 90% of the plastics ever created have never been recycled. They just uh, have ended up in our oceans and in our landfills. And it continues. In fact, we're making more plastics than ever right now. And so what? What? give me a teaser there. What new stuff have you discovered about that? Well, some of the stuff I'd like to talk about are some of the companies that are reducing plastic and making a commitment to do that uh, mm-hmm. in, in uh, like Grove, uh market, which is uh, household products and, and um, beauty products. And they do, you know, you can buy a glass bottle spray thing with some concentrate on it. And they, they're just doing a lot of good things uh, worldwide, actually. Um, so I want to highlight a couple companies that are doing things. And then I, I want to update myself. I'm on uh, statistics what's really happening again, just to get our head around how bad the situation well, really and is. Some of the changes that have occurred post COVID and, you know, now we're in this pandemic world Ugh, where exactly. like you go to the health food store and they want you, if you have your own. Oh, oh, oh. 
becomes a challenge and there are times when mm -hmm. you know more people are picking the plastic bags again yeah. at the same time new jersey is about to ban oh, look there we are new wow. jersey is about to are. ban pla uh, single-use plastic bags new jersey i'm so excited yeah. <laughs> i didn't yeah, know at the same coming. time i was hearing this week there's a national paper bag shortage so stores that may have been giving paper, like Trader Joe's, are now giving plastic. Right. Uh, you know why? Oh, no, because really? Those, those paper bags are all in my house right now, okay? we. <laughs> I, I went into the pantry yesterday yep. and cleaned out um, a huge box of paper bags that we've gotten because we've had so many deliveries to the house, oh, or we've gone to um grocery stores and and we we do we don't even go in most of the places we just you know do the pull up oh, pop the trunk throw the stuff in and sometimes you don't have any choice you can even mark down i'd prefer uh that you put it in a box or in paper uh and they'll still send you plastic or they'll give you the paper but i've gotten so you know as of january this year i had no paper bags in the house and virtually no plastic bags they they have a way of showing up whether you want them to or not but it, i had mm -hmm. it down to like almost zero and now we're yeah. flooded with them because we yeah. don't take our own reusable bags to the store i finally went to a store uh a co-op this week the dill pickle which is in logan square and i brought my own reusable bag for the first time in nine months to a store and uh, they were really cool. They said, yeah, we can't touch it. You'll have to bag your own. Uh, we're not allowed to touch it. And I said, that's okay, because I don't want to bring any more plastic bags into my house. Uh, and, uh. And, and I feel like we're, we've taken this huge step backward, Lisa, um, uh, in the ish, on the issue of plastic bags. Yeah, we have. And we need to talk about it again. So, and we need to make people aware. Between that and the PPE that's out there and people are have mm -hmm. been throwing stuff, I mean, with the gloves, thank God that has curtailed a bit. But mm -hmm. at any rate, I think, yeah, we're just going to want to remind people to be mindful and that uh, there are other ways to take care of ourselves that don't involve extra plastic pollution. Right. Arr. You know what? We, Peggy, we missed uh, International Talk Like S a Pirate Day September this year. September 19th came and went. Yeah. It came and went, and we did not sell. Well, you, we were in the midst Arr! of chaos here. I don't think we were on Arr! the air that week. Right. No, we were taking a break that week. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so let's go. So, okay, we can celebrate a, a month later. Arr. 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 So, uh, <laughs> see, this is uh, where we are in the pandemic. I feel like, uh, unfortunately, some of uh, the work that we've done to um, improve our environment has taken a giant back step. Uh, do you guys feel the same way, Meg? Yeah. Oh, well, there's that. And there is um, there are a lot of people that have taken up the mantra of uh, composting, which they hadn't taken the time to learn before, but now they're home gardening and seeing the benefits. So there's there's ups and downs, pluses well, and minuses. I think there's a couple of things happening. One is that we have an administration, if I can talk like segue into uh -oh. slide into the slippery slope uh -oh. of politics a bit, but there have been um, from the top, 
a lot of reversals on things that we've worked for 60 years in some cases. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes harder because we're one of the reversals that you you didn't even mention in your well it's in that article you sent and Peggy and I are very familiar with the article uh, from the New York Times about the hundred environmental rules that have been rolled back under this administration um, that's just uh, uh, scary stuff um, and you mentioned the last sixty years some of them are like a hundred years we're talking about uh, birds in protecting. Um, yeah. Migratory birds, which which kind of in a way started the whole movement when when the last passenger pigeon died in 1914 after we mm. killed we killed billions of them. Some people said, hmm, maybe that's not such a good idea to just extirpate entire species. Um, and that sort of became the basis of the migratory tr- uh, uh, laws. Right, Peggy? Yes. Um, I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> no, I'm, well, addressing, I'm, I'm addressing Peggy because she's the birder Hello? in the room. Hello, yes, the birder in the room. Right, she was listening sorry, to the birds out. I was watching out the chickadee out the window. That's it. <laughs> Were you really? Oh. That's my <laughs> oh, still lots of activity here. on the feeder. Yeah, um, but well, especially the migratory bird treaty, and you know the, the act along with that that has protected migrating birds. Um, not just things at the feeder, but making corporations take responsibility for covering open pits, for doing a lot of other things to protect birds um, proactively, as opposed to being fined afterwards if something goes wrong. And when that's part of what's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's part of what's being gutted or in process of being gutted. Well, like I'm looking at my list here of you know like. Air pollution and emissions, which affects animals, birds, humans, everybody. Um, they've completely rolled back 21 regulations on air pollution and emissions. Five are in mm-hmm. progress. So 26 altogether uh, rollbacks of regulations and protections. I hate to use the word regulation because that's become like the dirty word. Well, to that's the business people. Yeah. But, you know, you know th- uh, that's, agreements that's, in some cases. Yeah. Uh, protections. I, I think <laughs> what you just say, it, it, you use the word protections. You know, and that's, that's, they're that's, not agreed upon for the most part. This is part of the war. It's he who, he and she who control the, the uh, words control the argument. This is how yeah. certain words. Like feminism became dirty words, and um, and so actually, I read something the other day. You mentioned the Green New Deal, uh, Meg, in the stuff you sent me, and um, where Biden stands on that. And I read a very interesting article, and I can't remember exactly where it was, uh, but it was a reputable source. And uh, their point was that since that was introduced, most Americans have got a majority. Americans have gotten on board with the concept of the Green New Deal. And we need to keep in mind that it's it's not anything on paper yet. It's just an idea. It's an, an, yeah. an idea of how we should move forward, and it involves clean energy, mm-hmm. uh, good-paying jobs, and social justice. And most Americans say, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. Right. And it wouldn't be. 
Now, Slate has had a really good article that I saw uh, that describes Biden's climate plan as the Green New Deal minus the crazy. Because the Green (laughs) New Deal got a reputation because the opposing parties really grasped onto a couple of stupid sound bites about how they're going to take away... Yeah, they're going to take away our beef and no more hamburgers and we can't fly anywhere anymore. Like, okay, it didn't well, we say can't, that. In, well, we took away the airplanes just by being stupid about the coronavirus. So <laughs> that, that already came to pass. Yeah. Hello. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what we were going to talk about today and what I kind of wanted to highlight was like, if you care about the environment, clean air, clean water, the planet, democracy, social justice people animals (laughs) you really have to vote like like all those things matter it's life or death because they do yeah all the other issues that we're concerned about in the world um women's health all the other issues none of it matters if we don't save the planet first right and the uh and, and 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 the old argument used to be oh come on there are environmental republicans out there well that has changed uh, because um, we all know that about 95% of all Republicans are sycophants when it comes to the president. Uh, and if you believe in what the president is saying, you have you have forfeited your right to call yourself an environmentalist, and you need to be voted out of office pronto, because um, climate change is real and we're in trouble. So, uh, you know, I I've, I've saw a story the other day about uh, some former Republicans voting straight ticket Democratic in it was like Iowa or something. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. Um, well, it, every day there are more and more Republicans stepping up and right. saying that they are shifting gears for and this course, election. And of course, the Lincoln Project, for those that know what that is, uh, is uh, pretty instrumental in changing the minds of quite a few Republicans. Uh, well, it was run by one of Trump's, you know, old campaign, mm-hmm. Steve Schmidt, right? Yep. And, yep, and he's one of the people. other other Republican strategists, political mm-hmm. strategists are on that bandwagon and they're really making a difference. The way that I, I approach it is it, we have to change the story. And mm-hmm. um, I my mantra when I make decisions and I've got lists and lists of of the different parties and what they're suggesting and stuff. But the bottom line is. Do no harm. That's where we need to start. All the decisions we make have to be about doing no harm, which is what my doctor says about taking care of my body, and that's what I say about taking care of the planet. So it, that's where it starts for me with, with all of these decisions. And yeah, I think uh, do no harm. Go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say do no harm, and also how does it actually impact Somebody individual, you said, you know, your own body. How does it impact you? How does it impact your neighbor? How does it impact your kid as opposed to climate change, which is just such a vague concept or some treaty or some regulation? And people are going to listen to a story more when it's what's in it for me. How does this impact my life, my money, my livelihood, my future? And how do I do no harm to do that? Well, and it's a lot to ask people to think about future generations, but that is what we're talking about, is being mindful of how everything we do will ripple 
out from us, but also into the future. And, it, it's you know. not really a lot to ask. It's a lot to change. It's just the, yeah. it's about changing the story and the culture mm-hmm. of how we do things. Making yeah. that a value. And this is uh, some of what you'll be hearing with uh, the Green Divas when they come back this Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. By the way, I forgot to ask you, did you did you remember to share this on your uh, your Facebook page? Think so. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) Okay, well, you can can pop it up there when it's finished. Yeah. Hey, I have one quick quote that I wanted. Okay, give us that quote and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, Like music and art, love of nature is a common language that can transcend political or social boundaries. And that's by Jimmy Carter. I love Uh, him. Yes, uh, he has become a a hero. And the guy just just keeps going strong. It's amazing that uh, he's, what, 94 or something right now, I think. 96. 96? 96. No, really? He just turned 96. 96, yeah. Holy smoke. And how old is Rosalind as well? I know. <laughs> Not like, the same age, actually. Yeah. So, hmm. well, Green Diva Mag, Green Diva Lisa, thank you so much uh, for being no, no, with us. No, thank you. And, uh, quite, we're, quite a treat. Uh, and uh, we will do this again on Wednesday and then in the future. I hope on Sunday mornings, too. But let's just... We're going to take it one show at a time and see uh, how this develops and where we're going to go with it. Thank you, Mike and Peggy, for doing this and uh, inspiring us to uh, do more fun stuff like hey, this. Hey, there's nothing like live, is there? <laughs> it's much more fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Green Diva, Matt, <laughs> Green Diva, so Lisa. We will see you later. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be back with meteorologist Rick DeMaio. The folks at Blazing Star know that good soil biology means good soil. That's why they sell products from trusted industry leader Tinyo that contain more than 30 species of beneficial bacteria and fungi chosen for their critical roles in soil and plant health. In other words, whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, they help you grow the life in your soil so your soil can grow your plants. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. You can reduce your household garbage 30% by the simple act of composting. But I live in a condo or an apartment, you say. Well, if you're in the Chicago area, contact Collective Resource Compost. They give you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote if you're working with your community. You fill it with food scraps, they swap it out on a regular schedule, and voila! You're returning organic matter back to the soil instead of creating harmful methane in a landfill. Go to collectiveresource.us. They make composting easy. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food. And thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase, and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. What's the weather? It's sunny. What's the weather? It's rainy altogether. That's the weather. Sun, rain, wind, storm, hot, cold, cool, warm. What's the weather? It's cloudy. What's the weather? Oops. I didn't mean to... uh... 
boy, just another another gotcha there on. Uh, well, hey, at song. least it cut off at what's the weather? Boom. Yeah, that's right. Right, right on I, cue. I think it's great weather for walking like an agrarian, though. Uh, um, I think you should tell us about that. I'll tell folks about the exciting things happening at McHenry County College. As I said, if you would like to walk like an agrarian, you need to start thinking like one. The Center for Agrarian Learning at McHenry County College is hosting a free online speaker series featuring innovative thinkers and doers. It's called Forefront Ideas in Food and Farming. So coming up, Whole Grain Supply Chain is a lecture on November 15th. You'll get to hear a baker, a farmer, and a dietitian speak about using artisan grains in their businesses. And then on December 13th, the topic's going to be regenerative agriculture, details of a profitable journey, where you'll learn about six principles of regenerative farming. The sessions are free, they're online via Zoom, but you do need to sign up. And by the way, they're not going to be recorded, so you've got one chance for these excellent workshops, so you want to sign up now. The October one was filled, so you definitely want to sign up for November 15th. You can go to mchenry.edu slash Forefront. That's F-O-R-E-F-R-O-N-T. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you, how do you spell out, that? <laughs> well, I wanted the, the Forefront, so you got the F-O-R-E-F-R-O-N-T. So it's Forefront. To register and check out upcoming events also coming in January and February of 2021. That's mchenry.edu slash Forefront. All right, Rick. That's what sometimes uh, happens. Rick, are you, uh, are you with us there? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good, good morning. Uh, although uh, it's going to get worse as the day goes on, it sure looks like, uh, Rick. Yeah, already there. Oh really? Uh, how how are we doing out there? I don't know. I'm I'm stuck indoors, so I have no idea what's happening out there. Except I look out and it looks dark. It does not look yeah. uh, like a nice day Although, right oh, now. At least the wind has dropped well, down from yesterday. Well, this morning at about uh, five a.m. it was fifty-seven at O'Hare, and right now it's down to uh, forty-five. Whoa! <laughs> oh lordy! Yep. It was pretty chilly when I let Hazel out the door. And, um, uh, 40, 41 degrees at Rockford, 35 at Freeport, uh, and they've already had about an hour or two of some wet snow. At Freeport? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, I'm looking at away. my, my little make it here, weather but, app. Um, as you saw from the email I sent this morning, uh, snow actually whitened the ground um, in and around the Dubuque, Iowa area. Uh -huh. um, all that is obviously melted, but um, just like we saw last year, right, the Last couple of weeks of October turned pretty chilly, and we had um, snow on the ground. And and the big snowstorm on, uh, on Halloween. October 31st, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at my little phone yeah. app, and it says it's 44 with a wind chill of 39 right now. So, ugh. Um, sorry, Peg, I didn't hear you. Kind of broke up there a little bit. I said I'm looking at the weather app on my phone that says it's 44 degrees with a wind feel of 39 right now. Were you able to hear that, Rick? No, I, I did not. No, I broke up. Oh, that's that's weird. Uh, she said uh, 40, what did you say, Peggy? 40, Forty, 44 with at, a wind at, feel of 39. At, at where? Highland Park. Highland Park, 44 wind feel, which is now the new terminology, I guess they use, Rick, of 39. Oh, I don't like wind. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's yeah, wind I mean, chill as far as I'm 37 concerned. 37 up at Poplar Grove, uh, 38 at um, Roscoe. Uh, it's 41 at Crystal Lake, 39 at Genoa City, 
uh, and 38 Ooh. up at Burlington. So uh, this is part of that cooler air mass that came through uh, the northern Rockies and deposited about four to six inches of snow. And uh, we're lucky enough that it came through here kind of in the middle part of the morning. But if it would have come through about four or five hours ago, um, we'd have been seeing a lot of snowflakes move across the area. Yeah, that's showing snowflakes just west of Freeport and Rockford right now. Yeah. Uh, I guess just west of Freeport. You probably can't hear me. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, uh, so is this uh, is this going to stick around for a little bit? I saw that we we're going to get a little bit of a warm up uh, later this week, right, uh, Rick? Oh yeah, yeah, big warm up. In fact, uh, the pattern is such that um, we're in between, you know, pretty chilly air to the north and very warm air to the south. So this strong jet stream, which is right basically bisecting the Midwest, uh, when it waves south a little bit, pulls in a little bit of shot of cool air. Um, if this would be a month from now, we'd probably be talking about, you know, one to two inches of snow. If it was a month ago, uh, we'd probably be talking about maybe a line of severe thunderstorms. But, you know, that last or the second half of October um, is becoming increasingly more like a spring-like month almost like the end of March, where you can go pretty much between 80 degrees one day to, you know, rain and cold, you know, within 48 hours. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, we hit, we hit 80 degrees um, in many parts of the area on Thursday. Uh, then we had a little bit of a cool down, and then we warmed right back up to the mid-60s yesterday. Cool down today. We'll stay chilly tomorrow and Tuesday, but right back up to the mid to upper 60s. Um, I think by Thursday we have a, we have a chance at seventy degrees. Wow! Wow! And yep. this uh, this variability is this uh, this is kind of uh, the new norm for for these months, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it would be even more variable if we were able to get you know a little bit more moisture in here. It's been incredibly dry. Um, I mean, when was the last time we had two or three days of a soaking rain? It has not been that way. Uh, so the fact that we're heading um, into somewhat of a cooler and somewhat wetter pattern, um, I definitely think is, is beneficial, um, especially we can get that into the top, you know, four or five inches of soil before we get into the colder months where that soil becomes somewhat compact. And the next thing you know, you get into the month of February um, and things start to thaw out. And next thing you know, all of your shrubs that you planted at the end of the growing season in 2020 aren't doing very well. So this is the time of the year where you want to get some of that rainfall uh, mm-hmm. and, and at abundant levels so that you can soak down into the ground and, and keep that subsoil moisture kind of high. And we have not seen it. Even though we've been dry around here, it's been much, much drier uh, across the southern Midwest, uh, parts of the Rocky Mountains, incredibly dry. And this has been the pattern now for almost the last three months. And it looks like it's going to stay with us probably for the next two to three months, this high degree of variability between, you know, relatively cold and relatively warm. I wouldn't put it really warm. I wouldn't put it really cold. But it definitely looks like more of these systems kind of coming in from the Pacific Northwest, you know, these little clipper systems that don't have a lot of moisture with them, uh, but definitely give you that up and down uh, temperature, you know, regime that we're seeing right now. Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, the drought. Uh, that 
Uh, well, first of all, you mentioned something very important that I, that I want to mention, it, it, which is if you uh, planted a tree this year, you planted some shrubs this year, as Rick has just pointed out, it's been incredibly dry. It's just been remarkably dry. And we get these little shots of rain, but they don't really change the overall yeah. picture, do no. they, Rick? No, no, they do nothing. Yeah, that's, that's why, you know, it, it's kind of odd. You know, you, you put tulip bulbs in the ground um, and you forget about them. Most likely they'll probably be okay. But um, most people forget about watering their lawn by the time you get to the, you know, the middle of October. But this is probably one of the more in, important times to water it only because, the ground does get cold. The ground does get compact. Um, and whatever moisture that goes into the ground really doesn't evaporate much. So you're, you're doing the ground and the lawn um, a good service uh, by giving it the extra moisture that it needs. And even looking out, you know, two, maybe even three weeks, Mike and Peg, um, I don't see anything in the way of any significant rains coming at us um, mm. anytime soon. Uh, it's just it's, it, the pattern just wants to stay dry. And even if you get some of these shots, like you said, of, of a quarter inch of rain, it's basically sucked up by the, dry, by the dry ground within 24 hours. Yeah, that's not enough for the shrubs. Yeah, and no, uh, not at all. Not so at all. It, what it means is uh, you got to get out there and you get a drip hose on those shrubs or the trees yeah. uh, and hydrate mm-hmm. them because if they go into the winter uh, and uh, they have not had the moisture, you're going to, as Rick said, in the spring, you're going to look at them and go, well, what's wrong with this? Well, uh, what's wrong was what happened in the fall, which was there was right. not a rain, not enough rain. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I also, was out yesterday with the hose watering things already at this point. Yeah, and and mostly, yeah, it's, it, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Rick. Sorry. Go on. Well, I was just gonna say well, mostly I mean, it's the uh, it's the newer trees that you've put in, so mm-hmm. you have to be uh, careful uh, about that. And probably uh, newer yeah. perennials and, you know, if you planted this I, fall. I noticed is we we went. We had incredibly vibrant colors there for about a week or so, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're becoming muted, um, if you notice. So whatever is on the trees right now, left over from the 40 and 50 mile an hour winds we had yesterday and also during the day on Thursday, um, it's looking a little bit muted, but, you know, that's always going to be the case. I mean, the, the leaves can't stay colorful for that long. Uh, but, again, we've gone from these yellow and, you know, kind of brilliant uh, browns to all of a sudden greens and reds and We'll probably get another spike of, you know, nice reds here in the next week or so. But um, again, the, the, the second and third week, or I should say the third and fourth week of October, is always kind of a good precursor of what you'll have uh, typically in November. Not always for the wintertime, though. As we saw last year, incredibly cold weather the last half of October, incredibly cold November. And then the pattern flipped. Uh, we went right back into a mild pattern for December and January. Um, but I don't see that happening this year. It looks like kind of like what mm-hmm. we're in right now um, is kind of like what we'll be in for the next two to three months. And and the the large portion of the North Pacific that's warm and the large area of the equatorial Pacific that's cool, that's where the La Nina has basically established itself, uh, I think is setting up the pattern to be uh, such of one that we just referred to. Um, A lot of weak systems, uh, overall not a lot of precipitation, and I think, Mike, you and I remember fondly this was that big El Nino year back in 2015. We had the biggest snow of the year the week before Thanksgiving, and I said, this will probably be the biggest snow of the year, and it was (laughs) right after that, right after that, right after that, 
we went mild and, and that was it. Um, so we've had some pretty, I've, I've seen more than anything, our autumns becoming more and more like springs around here. You know, high degree of variability, even some severe weather. We're certainly not done with that. Uh, but overall, um, I think what we have coming at us the next two to three weeks is basically what we've seen around here the last two or three weeks. And uh, Rick, I'm popping up right now the uh, drought map, um, the U.S. Oh, yeah. drought monitor. And what I'm struck by is uh, basically, with with some minor exceptions, uh, west of the Mississippi, the country's in drought. Um, oh, and- yeah. And yeah. it's it's uh, it's really severe in Nevada and Utah, in Arizona, in Colorado, uh, parts of, uh, amazing uh, parts of uh, Oregon and Northern California, mm-hmm. and even across the northern tier, there's not a lot. You don't see much rain at all, except in in the country, except in the southeast. And uh, some of that must have uh, had to do with the hurricanes coming through uh, in the last month. Oh yeah, and and I think that's part of it is the um, uh, the widespread area of many tropical systems, which has bared, you know, um, you know, 10 landfalls across from southern Texas into Louisiana, Mississippi, parts of the Florida Panhandle. Um, those areas that have gotten wet, it has stayed wet, and that has pushed a jet stream very far north. And, and we saw that um, during some of the even the more dramatic hurricane seasons that we've had, especially when these hurricanes are really large, it generally tends to keep that autumnal jet stream kind of pushed northward a little bit until it begins to you know break a little bit. Um, and I think that has um, not only aided the development of these of these drought areas, uh, but has also lengthened as well. And this is one of the things that we've seen with the changing climate is where it gets wet, it stays wet. Where it gets dry, it stays dry. And if those patterns kind of become somewhat um, collated with the time of the year, meeting in the middle of summer, the dryness gets even worse. Um, It's just like, you know, you got uh, a street that has, you know, know, a street in the city that's completely covered with snow and ice, and you put a kid on a sled, you could probably push that kid you know, on the sled, maybe 20, 30 feet. Now you take the same street that's covered with snow and ice and you give it a gradient of 45 degrees. You push that kid. He's not going to go 20 feet. He'll go 200 feet. (laughs) So you provided the same amount of force, but you just made the angle, you know, that much greater. So, you know, you look at places like, um, you know, Southern Nevada, where Las Vegas has not had rain. Get this since April 20th. That's right, 181 wow. days. They have not had any rain. Um, and what, what this does to the ability for them to run their hydroelectric plants, um, I don't know. I haven't gotten into that part yet. But even western Colorado, uh, incredibly dry mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, again, the only thing that we're lucky about is that southern California actually had fairly decent rainfall in the spring, and that's one of the reasons why any wildfires that have occurred basically in the LA area has not been as dramatic. The only thing we worry about is if we get into somewhat of a wet pattern in Northern California uh, and Oregon, now you're looking at the possibility of mudslides. Um, But again, Mm -hmm. it's it's important to point out um, that even though, you know, there hasn't been much in the way of any 
large hurricanes. There is one that could be coming across Cuba and the Bahamas by the end of next week, another one over the eastern sections of the West Indies. But at this point, because we're going into the somewhat fast-moving weather systems or fast-moving weather systems across the mid and upper Midwest into the Great Lakes, the chances of having any sort of a landfalling hurricane uh, now across the Gulf Coast and the Southeast becomes incredibly low. So I think it's probably safe to say we're probably done with the landfalling hurricanes, but the ones in the, in the Southern Caribbean uh, probably still at least another two or three weeks in that area. That was uh, what I was going to be asking you, so uh, we have our answer to that. So do I get to ask yet, uh, is it going to be a white Christmas? <laughs> well, if you recall, last year we had a white Thanksgiving, and yeah. we had a green Christmas, and I believe we were out walking along the lakefront in 57-degree weather on New Year's Day. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think, you know, holiday winter weather patterns – are anywhere like what they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you know me, I, I like snow, and I'd love to see some snow, uh, but um, having, having, trying to put together a snow forecast these past four or five years is becoming much, much more difficult. And I don't even think, I mean, I forecast for one of the largest snow removal companies in the Midwest, right? and, and they don't even want them anymore. They don't want a, a preseason snow forecast. They just want to know how many events we're going to get and what type of events they used to they used to plan based yeah. on how much snow now they plan on the beginning and the end of the year um and what type of events they're going to have so yeah from that standpoint uh they realize that and these are the people in the trenches uh they realize that it, it's it's not the way it used to be it has, it has definitely changed and hopefully with the upcoming debate this thursday um christian welker could ask both president trump and vice president biden a question to two on climate change and see where that goes. Cause that's a recent town hall meeting uh, where they did it individually. There wasn't anything like that. Yeah. Well, you know, we, you know, every single election season uh, we're, we're fighting to get questions uh, about the environment, about climate change. Uh, I saw the list of questions for this Thursday and climate change is apparently on the list. So we can hope that. That's uh, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, if it, the debate happens, if the debate happens, and uh, frankly, I, 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 my feeling is, why bother? Why, why are we bothering yeah. with that? So, um, it's just, it, it doesn't make any uh, point. And and you, your point well, about the to, uh, you're doing the, the the forecast for the snow removal company is is fascinating. Yeah. How they've changed their strategy. Um, what oh, is? Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. how how I know that now that they don't want totals for the winter and they probably don't want long range because they're not reliable anyway to you know it doesn't tell them nope. where to get get the trucks out so nope. how many days in advance do they really want to know something i know obviously as far out as possible but um when did it when does it do them the most good to get a, an accurate forecast I, I mean, I, I gave them an update this morning only, only to show them that I'm looking at this stuff, even though I don't have a contract mm-hmm. for the upcoming season. That always happens late. Um, but uh, normally, I mean, I always give them um, a seven-day outlook. Like I send you guys, I give them a seven-day outlook every Saturday. And, you know, you got to remember with, with, the, with the advent of, of newer technology, you can actually sit in your truck for a half hour and pull up um an app that shows you seven day snow forecast totals for the midwest i mean 
in a sense, you don't need a meteorologist anymore to give you an indication of what's going to happen. So the newer technology has altered my approach because if I know that my customer is already seeing what I'm seeing, why give them something twice? So I have to go about mm-hmm. it in a different way. I have to tell them, you know, between these four models that you're looking at, this one trends a little bit different. This one looks a little bit different. Um, you know, it, it's it's like showing, you know, you know, polls every week. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, it's plus yeah. or minus five, but who actually did you sample? You know, where is it getting its data from? Uh, but generally speaking, they want to know about the real big ones and whether or not it's going to be a long-duration event with multiple variations of precipitation because that really stresses out not only their manpower, but their the chemicals that they use and also whether or not they have to go back and retreat and retreat and retreat and use different types of, you know, chemicals during the course of an event. That's what they really need to know. They don't need to know four to six inches, rain change in the snow, temperatures doing this. Um, so, so the science has, um, I should say, the advances in the science has changed the way that a forecast is, is prepared and presented. Um, and then also... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, um, you know, almost like, 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 like it's like, it gets, it keeps getting like tweaked, you know, from time to time, Mm -hmm. which is why it never, never pays to go out seven days and say, you're going to get this unless it's like a gigantic storm, like the blizzard of 2011 on, on Groundhog Day, where it seemed like everybody was going to get it from Texas to Maine. Um, so, you know, it's similar from a standpoint of what we do on the show where we try to get into the different nuances of gardening, uh, but it's definitely changed their, their way on how they approach things. And if you do it the right way, you minimize losses. And whenever you minimize losses, you maximize profits. Then you get out of the season, you go, look, we made money. <laughs> that's yeah. basically what it's like. And, that, and that's, happening, that's happening globally. I mean, weather derivatives with transportation logistics, with Federal Express and Amazon has completely altered how they actually run their, you know, run their, their delivery system. It's all based on, on the weather. And if you could do it four, five, six, seven days out, you give them an advantage over your nearest competitor. All right. Well, I think it's time for a forecast. I've got the, uh, the U.S. Weather Service forecast that you sent uh, the other day uh, on the screen. But tell us uh, how you've tweaked it. Yeah. All right. So um, 50s this morning, 40s this afternoon, 30s in the next hour or two. If you're north and west, um, it's probably already showing 39 degrees um, on the thermometer. And this is one going to be one of those first days where you step outside and you go, whoa, I can see my breath. <laughs> yet yet wow. two days ago, it was 80 degrees. Yeah, it's, it's pretty chilly out there. Uh, but this rain should move through. We'll clear out tonight. Um, we may get another frost. We had the first official frost and freeze west of the city um, this past week, but still right up along the lakefront. Still haven't cracked that 32-degree mark. Um, Low to mid-50s both tomorrow and Tuesday. Definitely some rain tomorrow afternoon. And then it looks like it dries out nicely for Wednesday and Thursday, uh, with temperatures probably in the low 60s on Wednesday. I'm thinking 70 degrees on Thursday. And part of the reason is the air keeps coming from a part of the United States and the central plains that's very, very dry. And you can warm things up very quickly when it's dry out. And then we get back into some cooler weather by the end of next week. But this pattern of up and down, trending more cool than warm, will continue for the next two weeks before it looks like by the time we get to the end of the month, 
the 30th to the 31st, we may be in for a five-day warm-up with temperatures maybe upper 60s or low 70s. So we're not done with the warm weather yet. Um, I don't think anything more in the way of, of colder snow is coming at us anytime soon. Uh, but it does look like you can put a, put a, basically put a bow on it and say we're done with any sort of tropical storms or hurricanes making landfall in the U.S. anytime soon. And we still need rain. And we still need rain. Lots of that. Okay. And Rick- no snowy Halloween. <laughs> um, at this point, Peg, no. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. No snowy Halloween. But the good point, Mike, the seven-day rainfall forecast is probably less than a quarter of an inch. Yeah, okay. Not Get out there, water your trees, water your shrubs, just to make sure. Uh, Rick DeMaio, thank you so much, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. All righty. Uh, and uh, there he goes. And there we go. And let's just uh, do this. want to thank everybody who was uh, on the show today. Uh, and I had a list here. Okay, who did we have here? Uh, scramble. Everybody scramble for our Grace Wu. Grace Wu. Yes, and Cassandra West and uh, Green Diva Meg and uh, Green Diva Lisa. Rick DeMaio, of course. Uh, Kayla is out there doing Kayla. Her work. And, don't forget the bison. Uh, don't and don't forget the bat. Wait, where's the bat? <laughs> so, <laughs> yikes! Uh, T- tune in. Tune in Wednesday. Wednesday at three p.m. At three p.m. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler. Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.